you're gone. Oh, now we're back. Now we're totally back. Yes. That's going to be the fade-in this week. Here, wait. I hope so. Yeah! <laughs> Yours was stronger. You're right. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I just really like people to know how strong I am all the time. And how are they going to know that unless I vocalize it? That's No, you're not wrong. I'm just saying. So. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I feel like our highs are getting to be like, like, you know, moody television shows where they'll put their like opening credits like half an hour into the episode. That throws me every single time because I'm, every in. Time. I'm in the story. I'm paying yeah. attention, and then you're like, now it's time for the credits. I'm like, how long have I been watching? Yeah, it does. It always makes me feel like I'm very stoned when that happens. Because then I'm like, oh, was this only like five minutes, and it just felt like an eternity? Like, no, okay, we're like 40 minutes into this episode. Yeah. So So if you're listening and you create TV shows like that, stop doing that. Stop doing it. Just give us the credits at the beginning. It's obnoxious. And then let us sink into the story. <laughs> Cold opens, great. Classic. Great. Love, Love them. It. But don't give us a 25-minute dramatic open. How dare you do that to us? It's too much. Um, so glad that people who have control over these things listen to our podcast so adamantly. Exclusively. Those are the only people that listen to our podcast. And they're all British. Um, um, do you want to hear the dumbest saga that's ever dumbed? Yes. Oh, my God. Is it a camping trip? Yes. Well, yes. it didn't turn into a camping trip. We ended up staying in their, like, spare room, which is, like, I called Lizzie because I was, like, so worried about it. And she was, like, no, I'm literally, like, bleaching the entire room right now, and we don't ever go in there, and it has its own bathroom. So, like, we were able to be – plus, all of the people that were there have been super rigorous about staying distant. That's good. So I, like, really, like, kind of fought with myself about it. But, like, Alaska numbers are low enough. And Ann Zink, the medical officer, the chief medical officer, she came out and was like, hey, so we're at the point if you want to start, if you have a group of friends that you know has been as rigorously following social distancing rules as you have been, you can we're at the point where we can probably safely start combining bubbles. And so she called it the double bubble. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. So that's, an, that's what we ended up doing this weekend and it has stressed me out. So I will probably now self isolate for a while <laughs> just to make sure, but I'm sure that it's fine. I mean, yeah. I think, I think, I think we're at the point to where that's, going to start happening with or without us and like Evan's telework is up next week you know there's only so much longer that we can yeah. totally stay home so we have to start kind of figuring out ways to move forward despite that being really scary to me <laughs> yeah no I totally get that uh, it stresses me out a lot but that's that's something that they're talking about implementing in our next phase is like groups of up to 10 people that have all been dutifully and rigorously, you know, 
yeah. staying home and staying smart and all of that stuff. So I'm really excited and I'm like, I've got my 10 people. Yeah. Or I guess eight people outside of us. Like I'm, I know who we're hanging out with and, you know, but yeah, we're still, that's still part of the way through June before we're going to get there. Um, <sighs> yeah. But there happens to be a garbage little dive bar, like a couple blocks from our apartment that we go to all the time. And it's called Double Bubble. Cute. <laughs> Amazing. Um, it's really trashy. Um, I was recognized in there once by the guys that run the liquor store as Box Wine Girl. So. Hey, really exist. there you go. I mean, I'm basically a celebrity in my neighborhood. Yeah, no brag. <laughs> Biggest flex of 2020, America. <laughs> I buy so much box wine to handle 2020. No brag. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, so it, it we didn't end up camping partially because it was shitty outside. And yeah. we had, like, and, like, Lizzie is just as risk-averse as we are. So that made me feel good, too, that she, like, like, we walked in and her whole house smelled like bleach. I was like, dude, we're going to get, like, less brain damage on this and she was like I don't give a shit like, at I don't least care. you won't get the corona <laughs> so like that made me feel better too and everyone's been working from home like this is just I mean I'm just vocalizing my justifications because it took so much justification on my part to be like okay but like no I understand <sighs> anyway um I will probably cut lots of that out <laughs> but Fiona saw me open my phone on Saturday and she was like, do you have a six digit passcode? And I was like, yeah, just mostly cause I don't know how to change it to a four digit one. And she was like, Oh here, I'll show you how. And so she like took me to the page to change my passcode. And I was a couple white claws in and I didn't realize that I was actually going to be changing it if I typed in numbers. So I typed in numbers and then promptly forgot what they were. Sure. And then kept being like, oh, well, I can probably guess what they were. <laughs> so, then, so then I locked myself out of my iPhone. <laughs> and so then yesterday we, we get home and my computer is too old that it no longer recognizes iTunes. So I couldn't plug it into iTunes to reset it. So then we tried to plug it into Evan's new computer and it was trying to send me a verification code that I couldn't open because I was locked out of my iPhone. So we finally called, we finally called Apple and this perfect, lovely human answered the phone and she was so nice and so funny. And I was like, she was like, Oh, so like, what can I help you with? And I was like, so, um, (laughs) it turns out that I'm real dumb. And I put in random numbers as a passcode and then obviously couldn't remember those numbers and then tried to guess them and shockingly got it wrong. And she just kind of laughed and was like, is your phone disabled? And I was like, yeah, it is. Sure is. And also my computer is too old. (laughs) And so she was like, okay, well, like, like what, what kind of iPhone do you have? And I was like, oh, it's a 6S. And she was like, "Uh oh, okay. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's real old. And she was like, okay, that's fine. Like, 
I just have to uh, hang on that. She had to Google a guide on how to help me because they no longer. That's... Yeah. They don't train on that anymore. Ugh. So then, so then she's like, okay, that's fine. Like how old is your computer? What, what system is it running? And I was like, um, I got it at the beginning of 2016. And she was like, Oh, okay. Uh, that it's, is it, is it running windows 10? And I was like, I think so. Yes. <laughs> So you could tell that she was like, when I picked up the phone, she was like, oh, cool. I'm going to talk to a young person who understands technology. Oh, no, no. And then, oh, no, no. And then immediately was like, oh, no, this is a 95-year-old woman with the voice of a 27-year-old. <laughs> it's great. It's fine. So long story short, Kiana at the Apple store saved my life. Babe of the week. Babe of my life. <laughs> And so Evan and I were like trying to, he, he was perfect and was like, I'm going to help you out through this. Cause I was literally laying on the floor. I was laying on the floor, crying, laughing, talking about how I was too stupid to have a job and that I should just quit my job and burn my degree. Cause it was a sham. And just like the only thing that I was smart enough to do is like stand in a field <laughs> And he was like, no, it's fine. You're beautiful and talented and very smart. <laughs> oh, God. It was it was a wild ride. Man, so. I think I got this computer in, like, 2013. Right? Like, so old. Like, who buys new computers? I, I mean, I buy a new computer every, like, what, <laughs> five, six years or something? Yeah. I keep it in my pocket until it dies. Right, exactly. So, yeah, that was my saga yesterday. And what a journey. Nice. Well, I wanted something like super lightweight because this thing's like 10 pounds or something. I wanted just like a, you know, I don't need it for a lot. Just like web browsing, Google Docs, you know. The, yeah, like the basic, basic, basic stuff. And so I found this $200, $250. Um, that's one of those Chromebooks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was all excited about it. And so I got it, got it home and it won't connect to the Wi-Fi to set up the computer. Cool. And so I talked to multiple tech people took it and had it looked at by multiple tech people. And of course the people on the phone are like, okay, well, you know, go to the start page, go to the whatever. And I was like, no, 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 no. I can't set up the computer. Right. We're talking pre all of this. Yeah. Beginning stages. And they were like, oh, huh. And there's no, it's such a lightweight, <laughs> small thing. There's no port to just plug the internet into it. There's no plug for that. It is reliant oh. on Wi-Fi. And won't connect to the Wi-Fi, but now I'm past the return date because I've been trying to talk, like trying to work it out with all these people. So now I can't return it. So I'm just stuck with this computer that doesn't work. And I'm wow. still trying to find. And so I looked for, I was like, surely there's a, a, a base of that company in Chicago. Yeah. And so I can take it in and they can work on it. It is a Chinese based company. There are two locations in the U S and the one that can actually work on computers is in North Carolina. So, road trip. 
totally worth it to make. That's what, uh, that's all that I'm hearing. It's just the most irritating thing in the world because I want it to work so badly and I want to stop using this gargantuan behemoth of a piece of crap, (laughs) but I cannot. Wow. So don't get a Lenovo is what I'm saying. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Yep. That's good to Lenovo. No, nope. Get that really got away from me. <laughs> Get out. You know what? Just for that, welcome to Babetown. I hate you. I was, I was going to say, you know what I know, you know what I say to that, and then you I got distracted by a shitty pun. <laughs> oh, it's the worst day of my life. Um, thank you. You're welcome. I feel I, thanked. I appreciate it. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Well, I heard the crack, but what Um, are you actually drinking? I am drinking a Paloma beer. How cool is that label? That's an adorable label. It's a grapefruit saison, and it's just the best. It was a limited release, so we went out and got some. Fancy. Before they ran out. It's just so good. Wow. What are you drinking? I am drinking a perberber. Fear I'm just gonna add more. Stop adding letters. <laughs> um, I my original plan was to finally bust into the champagne that I have and do some morning mimosas, but then yeah. I realized that I didn't have orange juice anymore because I drank the orange juice separately from the champagne. Sure. And I don't super feel like doing just straight up champagne because that would be doing a bottle of champagne and that seems like a lot and like I mean I'm sure like PBR is basically orange juice right you're telling me a PBR and champagne that's that's the cocktail that you're telling me to make right now happy memorial day talk about a 2020 cocktail <laughs> that's that's exactly what the cocktail of 2020 should be. Yeah. Served over ice, shaken, so it's just all foam and terrible. Yep. 100% shaken. Yep. <laughs> wow. Um, On that note, uh, when was your babe born? Oh, my God. You are jumping all of my lines. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. <laughs> well, I needed to ask because I don't have a set year. For my babe. Okay. I have a range Wait, this, of is the week, this is the week that you think that you're for sure going second. I think. Okay. Because I picked another super modern lady. <laughs> um, my lady was born 1939. You're going first! Oh my god! Great. I'm so excited that I'm going first because I can't wait to talk about this lady. I did it. Wait, when was your babe active? <laughs> in the 70s and 70s wow. through 90s. And so I think if I've done the math right, she was born somewhere in like 1955 to 1960. Wow. Okay. Excellent. Ooh, yay. Okay. Reagan, settle okay. in. Let me move my leg. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. okay. Oh, I'm settled. Continue. You ready? I'm ready. Have you ever heard of Junko Tabe? 
No, but that's my favorite name. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. So she was born September 22nd, 1939 in Miharu, Japan. Um, it's about 140 miles north of Tokyo. It's in the Fukushima region. So that's where she's from. Okay. Um, so she grew up poor during World War II, which I imagine was a really hard time to be growing up in Japan. Um, she described herself as like a weak child. Like she and there it, there were a couple of different things that referenced that and I couldn't find anything about her like actually having an illness or anything I think she was just kind of scrawny like at at Same. her tallest she was 5'2 and 96 pounds like she's just a small lady um right. so when she was 10 she goes on this school trip to climb Mount Nasu in Japan and she's fucking hooked right she's like That's this is all I want to do Trip? It's a school trip for fifth graders and like was... and like so there were a couple of different things most of the articles that I read said that they were climbing Mount Nasu but then a, one to two articles said that they were climbing Mounts Asahi and Chuasu so they climbed at least one mountain in Japan as wow. fifth graders wow and she's like that's all that I want to do that fucking ruled right but she's like also growing up in post-war yeah poor as shit japan so she realizes that an education rather than becoming a professional mountain climber would probably take her farther so she gets a degree in english and american literature from the showa's women's university in 1962 the whole time that she's studying, she keeps joining up with different mountaineering clubs. And she's like, this is kind of all that I want to be doing. But they're mostly dude based and like have a shitload of dudes in them who then were very confused that she was looking for teammates rather than a husband. And so there was like all this sexist shit and they're like, oh, like you looking for a husband? And she's like, no, thanks. Just looking for these mountains. That's it. (laughs) So um, eventually she gets a job as an editor of a scientific journal. Sometimes she tutors piano. She gives English English lessons. And all of it is going to fund her mountaineering hobby. Like she's spending all of her money to mountaineer. So eventually, um, the whole time that she's working, too, she is also climbing. So by the mid-60s, she had climbed all of the major peaks in Japan at least once, including Fiji. Good climb. Like, while she's doing all this other shit, she's just, like, casually climbing all these mountains. Oh, my God. If you're already blown away about this lady, like, just, it only gets better. Just settle in. Okay. So then... She goes to summit Mount Tanagawa and she meets, I wrote, hard eyes, Manisobu Tebe. Um, he was a renowned mountaineer and like probably an extreme heartthrob. I couldn't find any photos of him, but like, he's I mean, probably you can imagine. Yeah. an extreme heartthrob. He's a yeah. fucking mountaineer. So then uh, he didn't go to college, which like her mom was not stoked about. But he was super into her being a mountaineer. He was really, really supportive the whole time. Um, He, like, shared her passion for climbing mountains. So she's like, 
boom, confirmed heartthrob, let's get married. <laughs> so they get married. Um, and eventually, so in finally 1969, she did what so many of the babes that we've talked about have done and was like over the sexist bullshit. So she founded her own club. Yes. So she founded the Joshi Tahan Mountaineering Club. It was exclusively for women. She eventually quit her job to run this club. And the whole, when she quit her job, her husband Manisobu was like, fucking go get it. Love that. <laughs> yeah, so like, he's just the best and like so supportive of her. I hope so, that one of the like the bylaws of the club is you're not allowed to ask anyone if their their relationship status. <laughs> I hope. I hope. Like, what a stupid thing. Don't ask anyone what they're looking for. So like a significant other or marriage or whatever. We're just here for the mountains. You trying to get a man? Nah, just mountains. Have a club. Just mountains. Um, so their club's motto was, let's go on an overseas expedition by ourselves. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm such a fan. So it's all women. And like basically immediately um, she starts leading them on expeditions like around the world. So in an interview with the Japanese Times, she says, quote, back in the 1970s, Japan, it was still widely considered that men were the ones to work outside and women should just stay at home. Even women who had jobs, they were asked just to serve tea. So it was unthinkable for them to be promoted in their workplaces. And she's like, that shit sucks, so we're gonna go break records as women on mountains. <laughs> so, um, the one bummer is that because it was such an unconventional group, they had lots of trouble finding consistent funding, which sucks yeah. because mountaineering is a real expensive hobby. Um, she said, quote, we were told we should be raising children instead oh, while they were looking for God. funding. Yeah. So, the Joshi Tahan's first ex- expedition was to an- was to summit uh, Annapurna 3 in Nepal. That's their first expedition. Is like, let's go to Nepal and summit That's mountains. Cool. Um, on this expedition, they had lots and lots of shit happen. It was so cold that like the the film in their cameras kept breaking. Whoa. Yeah. Um, they suffered from altitude sickness, so they were going a lot slower than they had originally planned. And the gear was like 1970s heavy bullshit. So they're like trying to lug huge things up the mountain. Eventually, they did reach the mountaintop and they made history in many ways. It was the first woman only ascent. It was only the second ascent of Annapurna 3 ever. And they had taken their own path. They didn't follow the actual path that the previous ascent had done. They forged their own path. It's a metaphor. Queens. So, okay. Okay. This is where shit gets super, super wild. Are you ready for the story? I'm so excited. Okay. So we're going to talk about why Junko Tobey is like maybe the most incredible badass that we have ever talked about. Dude. Um, and the reason that she was a Google Doodle last year. Cute. <gasps> I love okay. Google Doodles. Um, so in 1970, she and the Joshi Tahan start um, applying for the Nepalese government to give them a permit to summit Everest because you have to get a permit to summit. Um, it took forever, mostly because they kept running into the funding issue. Um, eventually, though, they did get 
the permit in 1975, five years. It took them five years to get a permit. Um, and they set off on an all-woman expedition. Yes. So there were 15 women in the actual expedition, and then they had six Sherpa guides. Um, eventually, they stopped to make camp, and while they are camped, they get hit with a 9,000-foot avalanche. And nope. their camp is buried for three days. Nope. And no one died. Whoa. No one died. So obviously, they had to stop and rest for a real long time, but Junko is like, I'm not fucking giving up. We've It's taken us five years to get this. Yeah. So she and her Sherpa, Aang Shirshing, plowed on alone. They're like, yep, we're going to go. Dude. BRB. So um, just below the peak, they come across a ridge line that was so sharp, it had 15,000 foot drops on either side of it. Nope. And it was nope, like, nope, 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 nope. Like the width of a person. Like nope, one nope, wrong nope, step nope, and nope. you are gone. Um, so apparently it's the boundary between Nepal and Tibet. Fun fact is this ridgeline. Um, so Junko said later, quote, I had no idea I would have to face that, even though I'd read all of the accounts of previous expeditions. I got so angry at the previous climbers who hadn't warned me about that knife ridge, knife edge traverse in their expedition records, <laughs> which I could just imagine like getting there and being like, what the fuck? Like, Come on, you I love that she's just like, oh, my God, this should not have been a surprise. Um, it didn't stop her, though. She talks about she's never been so tense as when she was walking that ridgeline, which like, okay. yeah, probably. Um, she and Aang summited, the Sever- summited Everest on May 16th, 1975. It made Junko the first woman to ever summit Everest, um, although she did not like being called that, and she wanted to just be known as the 39th person to do it. Wow. Oh, God. God, she's so, like, <laughs> she's so, like, I don't give a shit about any of this, like, record-breaking yeah. stuff. Like, I just want to be on top of mountains. Like, I don't care about any of yeah. this. Oh. So, obviously now she's hot shit. She's able to get funding to do basically whatever she wants, which is great. Um, she wasn't really into all of that, though, saying, quote, climbing the mountain is its own reward. She kept climbing, and by 1992, she became the first woman to complete the seven summits. So the seven summits are the seven tallest peak on each continent. Um, there's two different lists of them. There's the best list and the Messner list. And apparently it comes down to some debate on the tallest peak in, well, the best list takes into account that it's the tallest peak in Australia and the Messner list takes into account the tallest peak in Oceania. Okay. So they're the same except for that one peak. So okay. um, for Mountaineers, they consider the Messner list the harder one to complete. Um, and that's the one that Junko ended up doing. Yeah. So um, she hiked Everest, hiked, she mountain climbed Everest in which is the Asian one in 1975. She hiked Kilimanjaro, which is in Africa in 1980. Aconcagua is in South America in 1987. She did Denali in North America in 1988. She did Mount Elbrus in Europe in 1989. She did Vincent Massif, which is the Antarctic one in 1991. And then she did the Cartens Pyramid in Asia in 1992. Dude. Making her the first woman to ever complete the seven summits. And to this day, well, as of like 2016, I think, or 2017, there have only been 416 people to ever do it. 
So in the 90s, probably way less. Dang. Amazing. So um, after all of this, in 2000, she goes back to school for a degree in environmental science because she wanted to find a way to help out Everest because tourism had become such that the mountain was being degraded because it had become so accessible. And so now thousands of people have summited Everest. Um, Upon graduation of her degree, she became head of the Himalayan Adventure Trust of Japan. Like her whole thing was was trying to, she said, quote, Everest needs a break. (laughs) Like, yeah, she needs a break, you guys. Like, we're fucking it up, and we shouldn't be. So, like, chill. I love her. So much. So, in addition to the seven summits, it was a personal goal of hers to summit the tallest mountains in every country. Sure. Casual. Casual. She didn't end up making it, but ultimately she summited more than 150 peaks in 76 countries. Oh, my God. (laughs) And the whole time, she's married and has a kid. She has, like, a little kid. Oh, wow. So in 2012, she started leading groups of high schoolers from her home region of Fukushima after the tsunami and, like, the fucking radiation and everything happened. Um, She started leading high schoolers on on an annual climb of Mount Fuji. Whoa. Amazing. In 2012. So she was... She was 73. She was 73. Wow. Um, I'm super winded doing a single burpee. And this, I just don't under, I don't, yeah. This lady in 2012, the same year that she started leading groups of high schoolers, she was diagnosed with peritoneal cancer, but it didn't stop her. So she led that annual hike for four years. Oh my God. With cancer. And in 2016, she only made it halfway, but she encouraged her students to keep going by saying, quote, even if it's hard, you can reach Japan's highest peak if you climb step by step. That was in July, and she died of her cancer in November. Dude. Yeah, she was 77. Dude. Yeah. Wow. Like, she just did not ever stop. Yeah. Hiked literally up until the end of her life. That's so crazy. So crazy. I oh. wonder how many times in her hikes she felt discouraged or tired or whatever. And she like reminded herself, like, I can do this. It's just step by step. You know, like, that, that guaranteed had to have been like all the time. Mantra. Like, yeah. nope, it's just it's just a couple more steps and then we'll be closer. And then, yeah, and then a couple steps. Oh, man. Wow. Mm. the stuff she's seen that's got to be so cool the views alone but then also like you're I was thinking about this too while I was doing it it's like okay well she didn't only she didn't only climb those peaks in 76 countries like that takes so much effort and planning that she spent weeks in those countries yeah so she like got to see so many different cultures and meet so many different people and like man experience so the cool. entire world that's so cool so cool we should become mountaineers want to totally let's do, let's it. do it like tomorrow right great. done you want to hike Everest tomorrow yeah great done it's a date i've got the equipment <laughs> yeah no me too i definitely 
have the lung capacity. Oh, for sure. Oh my god. My legs so ready. <laughs> um, okay, so to source oh, my shit real quick. Um, the big one was an article from the heroinecollective.com written by Cla- Claudia Marinaro, and it was awesome. It was great. Um, there's a Telegraph article, A Moment in Time, May 16th, 1975, Junko Tabe, first woman to reach Mount Everest summit. The headline really tells you everything you need to know. Sure does. Um, written by Yolanth Fawahimi. Okay. I think. Um, a Britannica.com article, and then Junko Tabe, first woman to conquer Everest, dies at 77, which is a New York Times article by Sam Roberts. Yeah. And it was great. And all of the photos, you are going to die. Yeah. She's so, she's so cute and amazing. And there's just all of these photos of her, like, decked out in, like, 70s shit, climbing amazing. up the side of a mountain. Like, it's all this just, like, super vintage gear, and it's all, it's so good. Hell yeah, dude. So good. And that's Junko oh, today. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm going to sit right, back. Well, yeah. Enjoy. Get comfy. Because, Taylor, have you ever heard of Linda Denley? No. Mm. Also, I thought for Mm-mm-mm. sure. Mm-mm. I thought for sure that I had guessed correctly. Nope. <sighs> Um, so, like I was saying last week, um, she's very difficult to get background information on. Mm-hmm. Um, she's still living. She's still teaching. She's still working. She does not have a Wikipedia page. I could not find her birthday anywhere. How did um, you hear about this lady? Is that part of your story? Because I definitely want to hear that. Well, it was just like, so <laughs> my Pinterest feed is now like memes dogs, recipes, and cool ladies in history. Amazing. And That so, sounds like a perfect Pinterest feed. It's, oh, it's just that I spend so much time on Pinterest now because it's all just positive, wonderful, good things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a photo of her came up with like, it's always like a photo of them and then a super brief summary of like who they were. Mm-hmm. And so then I go and I write it down on my list and then I keep scrolling and then I write another name down on my list and keep scrolling. But so, like, a lot of this information came from, like, people's blogs or a couple of magazine articles. And it's just people who are like, can we talk about her, please? Because <laughs> holy shit. And I'm like. I kind of feel like word it? of mouth ladies are some of the best ones. Oh, my God. Okay. It's just people, like, hyping up, like, yeah. hey, my aunt. Seriously. It's amazing. Seriously. But, like, have you seen this lady? It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So, Linda Denley. I'm assuming she's born 1955, 1960, somewhere in there. Uh, She's born in Houston, Texas. She's one of 12 kids. The whole bunch. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, But she's a natural athlete. She's killing it in pretty much any sport she tries her hand at. But then 1973, she starts studying martial arts under a guy named Robert Torres, thinking that a basis of knowledge in martial arts would help enhance her performance in other sports and like her, um, her control, her mental, you know, the whole, like it would only aid her. That's so interesting. And I bet she's not wrong. That's something that I would never have thought of, but I bet she's not wrong. She is super not wrong. Mm. 
So wow. within two years, she is a black belt in Tang Sudo, and she's teaching other people and winning tournaments. And she's like a teenager. So when she was still in high school, she qualified for the Olympics in five different track and field events. But because she had won professional martial arts tournaments, it disqualified her from competing in the Olympics. I don't understand how that works. Maybe that rule has changed by now. Wait. I don't know. <laughs> because she won martial arts tournaments, she something couldn't about, compete track and field in the Olympics? Yes. Something about having won a professional tournament disqualified her from competing in the Olympics. And oh, just in anything. Yeah. I don't really know why. I think that rule has to have changed by now. That's so weird. But yeah, I don't, I don't understand. But anyway, so she couldn't compete in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But she's like, she's, she's in karate now. Like, she loves this shit. She had, uh, so she black belt in Tang Sudo, and then she started taking Taekwondo. So she ends up getting offered an opportunity to play semi-pro basketball for the Houston Angels in 1979, but she turned it down because she didn't want to give up karate. She was like, mm, wow, thanks, but I'm digging this. So no this thanks. woman is so coordinated and I trip going up the stairs. Yeah, like she's the definition of an athlete. It's wow. crazy. So she is now a 10th degree black belt in karate and a 4th degree black belt in taekwondo. I don't really know what that means. But it sounds like you just like you hit the upper level and then they were like, well, black belt's the highest level. There's no darker belts. Oh, yeah. More degrees now. Yeah, I'd buy that. You know, sure. Yeah. I'm assuming that's how that works. Yeah, into that. Um, So her style is very like in your face. They called it hard hitting. Um, And so a bunch of women start to not want to fight her because she hits so hard and she's so aggressive. So, naturally, she becomes known as the Texas Terror. Yes. Which, oh, I love that nickname so much. Um, Okay, so this story, this next story, it came from an article that this guy wrote who was a part of this group. But I could not find it again. It was, like, an article that I read in my initial, like, who is this person? And then I left, like, I didn't actually write anything down. It was just, like, my initial read-through or whatever. Yeah. So then when I went back to like actually write up my everything, I could not find this article anywhere. So I'm a lot of this. Is, it's just my memory of this guy's story, but it's so cool. I had to tell it. Okay. So there was this like essentially a fight club situation in Texas where a group of people in martial arts would get together and there was always someone kind of like um, overseeing, I guess. But none of it was official in any way. There wasn't any, like, weight restrictions or, you know, gender restrictions. Like, whoever could fight whoever. They just wanted to do their martial arts bits and train with each other and fight with each other. Whatever. Yeah. Um, So this dude shows up one day bragging his ass off about how he's the best and, like, nobody can take him down and he's so good and blah, blah, blah. He's never been there before. He's some new dude. And she's like, okay, I'll I'll fight you. (laughs) And he throws a hissy fit because he doesn't want to fight a girl. And he's like, I would kill her. Like, I, there's no way. You can't make me fight a fucking girl. You know, blah, 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 blah. Just going off. So 
So somehow the person organizing it is like, no, it's okay. Like, you know, fight Linda, blah, 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 blah. So somehow someone convinces him to fight her. (laughs) And she kicked the shit out of him. Amazing. To the point where he's like begging for them and like calling for it to stop because he was like, she's hitting me too hard. She just destroyed him. Wow. Um, So he never went back to that group. And (laughs) Linda is my hero forever. (laughs) Um, So in 1988, she joined the Atlanta World Professional Karate Team and started touring the world, fighting, being on the cover of magazines and newspapers and TVs and stuff. So then she starts working with Jackie Chan and Chuck Norris in their movies as background fighters. And apparently Chuck Norris was a huge fan and loved working (laughs) with her. So he got her to be in the Christmas episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am determined to find it. That's one of my favorite facts that we've ever had on this show. Yeah. Chuck Norris. It was like Norris got her to do an episode of Walker because he really just loved working with her. And it was like Walker, Texas Ranger. (laughs) I'm sorry. Are you talking about WTR? You mean. The WTR. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but around that time, she was named one of the greatest female fighters of all time. I love her oh. so much. I love that that's a category. Yeah. I'm Just, very into that. Yeah, female fighters, man. So she starts using her teaching platform to encourage kids away from drugs and towards inner strength. I love her. Um, oh, my God. She encourages them to become black belts in every area of life, not just karate, which is just the cutest thing in the universe. I'm going to get that tattooed onto my face. (laughs) Please do. I'm going to get it tattooed onto my face backwards so that when I look in the mirror, I can read it. Be a black belt in every... Like, (laughs) the fiercest... The Texas terror is encouraging kids to be like, be a black belt in school, you know? Oh, uh, my God. I just picture, like, some nerdy little, like, six-year-old that's taking karate lessons from her being like, I'm going to be a black belt in spelling. Yeah. Seriously, though. <laughs> oh, One wow. of them has been fighting with their sibling, and she's like, you know what? You can be a black belt in being a big brother or something. And they're like, oh. yeah. They're like, yeah, I fucking can. <laughs> It's super fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so in the magazine Black Belt, mm-hmm. she wrote her own biographical section called The Lady is a Fighter. And she wrote, quote, I approached every fight with the same attitude. I never underestimated anyone. As the number one ranked fighter, I had everything to lose and nothing to gain. I never had any particular strategy other than to win. I had to win. If one of my techniques worked during a fight, I didn't stop using it until my opponent figured out how to stop it. Smart. Dude. Wow. So, okay. So she's rated number one in karate from 1973 to 1996. Whoa. Yeah. She went nine years without losing a fight. Wow. And seven of those years... Seven, for seven years, no one got a point on her. She just... That's insane. Destroyed people. Effortlessly, apparently. It's crazy. <laughs> okay, so... Wow. 
bunch of different competitions. The Battle of Atlanta, she won 11 times. The U.S. Open, she won nine times. The U.S. Capital Classic, she won nine times. Long Beach Internationals, four times. Diamond Nationals, three times. She was the first woman inducted into the Black Belt Hall of Fame in 1980 and has been named Competitor of the Year by multiple different Hall of Fame organizations. She was then named Instructor of the Year and a Living Legend. I love named a living legend. Yes. Because what the fuck? They're like, listen, you probably know this, but just in case you don't, you're a fucking legend. legend. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, She is still teaching full time in Houston. She still travels the U.S. giving seminars and promoting competitions. She teaches Sunday school at her local Baptist church. She teaches private nutrition and plays in an amateur basketball league where I bet she just destroys people. And she says that she is, quote, single and 21 and holding. I I love her so much. So much. (laughs) I didn't know it was possible for me to love somebody this much. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's deep. My love is so deep. Wow. It's also a little bit my fear. But, you know, like... What if what if she listens to this episode and then she contacts us and then adopts us? <laughs> I wouldn't... I couldn't... I mean... Who? Oh, buddy. I think I'm going to end up tattooing on my forehead 21 and holding. Yeah. 100%. Dude. Yeah, so that's Grandmaster Linda Denley. Crushing it. Fully obsessed. Me too. Um, too quickly source my shit. <laughs> Marianne's cool blog of ladies. Seriously. <laughs> seriously. Uh, Rob Lutruhilo's blog called Cute. Black is Beautiful. Uh, the Wu Chic Do blog. Uh, he did not have a name <laughs> attached to his. Okay. Texas Black Belt Academy's Facebook page. Cute. And usadojo.com. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I am wow. such a humongous fan of her. Wow. Yeah. Holy so shit. My, I love that. That's my, uh, that's my shit this week. Stellar work. Thanks, man. I feel motivated and at the same time, very weak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, especially after these two ladies, I feel real weak. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Man. Seriously. Uh, So who's your uh, who's your babe of the week this week? Oh, um, I think that it has to. Well, aside from Kiana at the Apple store. um, Sure. I think definitely it has to be Dr. Dylan Covey. Dr. Dylan Covey, DDS. Dr. Dylan fucking Covey. <laughs> He's a fucking dentist now. He did it. He, he went did out it. There. He was like, I want this. And he went out there and he did it. I think Hell he's yeah. very cool. He is very cool. And now he's a dentist and now he can root around in my teeth. Ooh, that's horrifying. (laughs) 
Ugh, no thanks. <laughs> Although I will not say, I will not pretend that I have not had him get stuff out of my teeth. Ew, have you? Yeah. I've known him for a decade, and I have vehemently refused. He and I were, um, we were pouring together at a Moose's Tooth concert, and we, our tip bucket said, it's a swish and tip, you know, had mm-hmm. a wand on there. It's great. Yeah. Um, but apparently there was something in my teeth, and I couldn't find it, and I couldn't get it, and I didn't, we were like the farthest point in the parking lot, and I didn't want to go all the way inside and there were people, and it was the whole thing. And so I was like, all right, just just do it. Just get it. <laughs> and so I think he used, like, a folded-up piece of paper or something as a little piece of floss and, and got it out. He's the strangest person I know, and now Truly. he's a dentist. Truly. Proud of you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tag team also Baby of the Week. There you go. Yeah. Also. Who's um, yours? So, other than Dylan, mm-hmm. you know, clearly. Um, so, I have been listening to Brene Brown's new podcast. Oh. And I, because there's so much hype around Brene Brown, right? right? And, like, she is the woman speaker. Right. Souls. And I was like, man, we're going to crack me open like an egg. Let's figure this out, <laughs> you know? And... I was really excited. And there are some, th- like most of it, I'm like, yep, I feel that. Yep, been there. Wow, that's what that's called. Okay, cool. Other people feel this, and it's great. And there are some things that I'm like, ah, that doesn't super resonate with me, but I'm sure it does with somebody, whatever. Yeah. So overall, it's been interesting, and, you know, I enjoy it. But there's one episode that everybody in the universe needs to go listen to. And she interviews, so the podcast is called Unlocking Us. And... She, in one episode, interviews Tarana Burke, who's the starter of the Me Too movement. Okay. And so she just interviews her about, like, why she started it and what it is. And it's, I mean, it blew my mind. Like, just listening to her, listening to Tarana talk about her passion for women Mm -hmm. and women like I, I'm not gonna articulate this correctly even a little bit everybody just go listen to the episode it's called um Toronto Burke and Brene on being heard and seen is the name of oh, the episode man dude it's so good I was doing a pot or I was doing a crossword while I was listening to it and I realized that I had put my pen down and was just listening intently for like 20 <laughs> minutes like it's oh it is so Good. So, yeah, that they, man, talk about, like, encouraging and uplifting and, like, we can fucking do this and we all need to be there for each other and listen to each other. And it's a it's a good time. That sounds great. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. If you need some, like, deep emotional catharsis. Yeah. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Great. Yeah, it's a good time. But also, like, I really am very proud of Dylan, and I didn't. Like, <laughs> I, I would like to also have him be my baby of the week. <laughs> I'm sure he won't be offended at all. Please don't. The only that. time that I've ever seen Dylan angry was when we went to go see Unfriended, and he went to the wrong theater and watched a shitty horror movie by himself. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we came home. We came home and he had beat us home and was just sitting at the table eating soup. And we were like, hey, buddy, sorry about that. And he was like, it's fine. And then just went to bed. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever seen him mad. And I was like, man, this is terrible. I think I like the only and it's not even like real mad. Yeah. The only like kind of mad I've seen Dylan like Dylan mad is like his road rage. Oh, but that's Kobe all. road rage is a beautiful thing to watch. It's so fun. It's so fun because my road rage is like, I'm going to eat you and then spit you into a dumpster and then mail it to your mom. And Dylan's is like, I'm going to step on a sandwich that you eat at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I just love that it's louder and more like choppy than yeah. his normal speech yeah he's he's getting all worked up it's so good hilarious so good yeah wow yeah another one speaking of emotional catharsis am i right you're not wrong i'm exhausted well now that we're out of cutout land thanks for listening guys A smooth, seamless you. transition. Seamless. That's us. That's our so middle name. I do. Yep. Babe Seamless Town. Babe but. Seamless Town. Um, um, but seriously, thank you for listening. Thanks for like being with us in this strange and unique way in these weird times. It's really nice to like keep doing this. Yeah, to have people and mm-hmm. have encouragement in these badass ladies. Yup. Yup. Oh, man. I feel so encouraged. I want to go climb a thousand mountains and then do karate on top of all of them. Yes. <laughs> That's all I, I want to do. Go do karate on top of them. <laughs> oh, love it. Yeah. Incredible. I hope there's well, a movie about both of these. You know what? I hope there's a movie about all of these women. Honestly. But, like, especially these two. Especially these guys. You should go watch the little Google Doodle because it's adorable. I will. Absolutely. So cute. Also, there's a bunch of YouTube videos of Linda if you want to watch her just kicking the shit out of people. Yes, please. It's very encouraging. That's all that I want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, thank you for listening. We're Babe Town. Good night. No. What if that's how we start doing our sign-offs? We just don't sign off. We just turn off the yeah. recording because we just can't handle it. We just—it's impossible to make it seamless. It's fine. Okay, Whatever. Pressure. It's brand now. <laughs> Rolling with it. It is owning it for sure. Um. Well, I love you. I love you too, dude. Text me throughout today because I want it very much. <laughs> okay. I can do that. Can't wait. <laughs> um, Big fan of this. Thank you for. I think about this a lot. Like, thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. This was a great girl, idea, and I love that it was not an idea, but I get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like I super lucked into this role, and it's the best. No, I'm real into it. Me it's too. so fun. What I'm trying to uh, say is, I love you. I love you. And I love this. So much. Everybody listening, I love you too. Yeah. Y'all are the best.
Yeah. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Have a good day. I'll talk Thanks. to you later. Please do. I will. Bye. Bye.